Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Everyone, it's another week of Cinematics. This is Cinematics episode 208 or 208. I am very nervous because one of my betters, Bruce Perky, you were having some kind of six-shooter, obviously not a real six-shooter. What were you doing? What is that gun? Is it symbolic for something? Is it an illusion? What is that, Bruce Perky? No, not at all. We have, I don't think we have any Westerns. Although Eric is talking about something that does have quite a bit of gunplay in it. But oh. uh, no Westerns. Okay. Eric is a rebel. Eric is also, within the last 30 seconds, he just woke up. How was your slumber, <laughs> Eric Holmes? How was your sleep? Uh, yeah, my sleep schedule is all messed up. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it's worth it. It's worth it doing the karaoke. And, oh, I, I guess we'll talk about that later. Um, when we you can talk the, about uh, the karaoke. This week. What did you want? No, no. Uh, it's it's one of the 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 other movies coming out this week. Reminding me of the karaoke stuff, but we'll get to that. Were you sleeping because on. were you sleeping because you watched one of our movies called The Origin of Evil this week, Eric? Was that one of the reasons why you were still? I mean, throw some. <laughs> just look. I think shout out to Mitch Burns from the Hollywood Persona, from the Film Vaulters. The Film Vault. He's a huge contributor to the Film Vault. He was talking about. Aporia, how he didn't like it as much. He was very mixed on that film because of oh, and the Aporia DVD Blu-ray. See, Eric Holmes, this is what we're about. Eric Holmes is posting up that Blu-ray, even though he's still somewhere in slumber right now. He's some kind of purgatorial humanity where he doesn't know if he's awake. Eric, you know, I just wanted to tell you this: you actually did lift up. It's real. You lifted up that Aporia Blu-ray. Eric Holmes is actually outnumbered. With me, Bruce, and the aforementioned Mitch Burns, because he actually joined me in Bruce's camp at and saying he didn't he was a little bit mixed on Aporia. That said, I'm gonna throw it to Eric Holmes, who you do have the Blu-ray. We us three didn't like it. I, I really did not like the ending from, from Aporia. But for people who are ex- interested to see why maybe Aporia is worth a watch, where why what made it special for you? Well, I gotta talk about the ending. So spoilers. Plug your ear. Oh, 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 you, oh, you, oh, you gotta talk <laughs> oh, about we'll, we'll say, we'll, we'll say, we'll say, um, things change when you change the past, it changes the future. Sure. And they changed the future in one particular way. Sure. That made it impossible to have to go back and change it. Right. And you were fine with that ending, that final moment. Oh, no, that, that, so that wasn't the final end. That wasn't the final moment. That was someone else that was in her life that now she can't get rid of. I, speaking, I felt the ending was a little bit of a cheat. Bruce, I'm going to put words. I'm not putting words in your mouth. Did you feel the ending was a cheat or what, am I inaccurate? You just didn't like the end. Did you kind of not like the ending? I thought that no, was I think I was up. in your, I was in your camp too. I remember, okay. I remember hoping it would end a little before it actually ended because I thought it was, it was a little bleaker version of the ending that I kind of thought would have been pretty cool and a little more enigmatic. But what it ended out with was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> I was just speaking of, and speaking of movies that I hoped would end, we will be talking about the origin of evil. <laughs> no, yeah, we, we have a couple of shots on the origin of evil right now. Hopefully, Bruce Perky will be a defender of that movie, just as Eric Holmes is a defender of Aporia, which I think, Eric Holmes, I'm going to say, you were fine with the ending of Aporia, and you were more than fine with the movie. You know, you have the blue, you, you endorse that film, correct? It's a little yes. big endorsement on Aporia. Now, as far as other movies that we're going to be covering, not for this week, for next week, we are covering our bonus episode for the month of September. We are covering the movies Dark City 
and Buffalo 66. Buffalo 66 is actually my pick. It was one of the members, one of our cinematics Patreon members who actually suggested, I forgot who suggested, I think Eric Holmes, you said Abby Schmidt. I think Abby Schmidt mentioned Buffalo 66. We also have to mention, Anderson, this is a movie that our buddy, uh, Cinematics co-creator Anderson Cowan loves as well, Buffalo 66. We're going to be covering that. That that Hopefully that review will be spanning a lot of time. And Dark City, that neo-noir, which hopefully directed by Alex Proyas, haven't seen that in years, should be right up our alley as far as directing it. So if you want to Listen to our Patreon review, become a Patreon member, $5 catch-all, and it is our bonus this month for September. And listener, uh, Kristen, I apologize, I still have not posted up our Christian Petzold interview, I mean, not interview, our our special episode, which we recorded on Wednesday. There's just so much stuff. I will record, I will post it on our Patreon feed this week. We Undine, Transit, and what was else, what else, Bruce? Eric, Undine Transit, do you remember the third movie? The remember, uh, you guys have been watching Rising that. from the Ashes. Uh, Phoenix, Phoenix. Phoenix, yes, and a very good Rising from the Ashes. That was a reference to Return from the yeah, Ashes. Return. That mo- Yes, that movie that we all loved. That <laughs> was really cool. As far as that's it for Patreon, and if you want to check out our movie reviews and interviews and just giveaways this week, Aporia is a Welgo USA entertainment release. I'm also giving away a Blu-ray for this Welgo USA Entertainment Blu-ray, a movie called Bad City, which I haven't seen as of yet, but I have a Blu-ray copy to give away. And we have two digital copies, two digital codes for Dreamin' Wild. Bruce Perky, if I recall, I loved it so much. Eric loved it so much. Digital codes, we're both excited to give away two codes, but reservations, if I recall from you, from Dream and Wild, that was just sort of a mediocre viewing experience. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like, uh, it was one of those where it's like, I think the real story would have been more fun than the dramatized story. The dramatized story was kind of a little Hollywoodized for me and very, and very, it was, I think I remember really a lot of mopey uh, Affleck, very, very mopey Affleck. It was mopey Affleck, but again, me and Eric loved it. Eric, you are. Bruce doesn't like anything. Eric is shaking it's his my head. my favorite dwarf from Eric, you Snow are the, White. <laughs> Eric, you are the courtroom dra- drama enthusiast. Can you just plug Dreaming Wild why, why people should check it out? Whether or not, they, even if they don't check out our digital code giveaway on findyourfilms.com, why should they see Dreaming Wild? Dreaming I Wild. just thought it was a very different story than uh, what these kind of, like the, the story that you think it is. This is like way different than pretty much anyone's story, really. It's just such an oddball kind of turn of events that happen yeah brothers and get I, popular 40 years later almost well about 30 plus years later with their album from yeah. the 70s right it's kind and of uh yeah they're already grown they already have their lives in order so a lot of the uh conflict doesn't come from living fast doing drugs it comes from you know uh the uh casey affleck's character trying to repay his dad back for giving away everything you know for him to be a musician and only to come up with nothing it, yeah, it, it just really hit home for me. Dreaming Wild got me kind of emotional. There's a great Bo Bridges scene where they're talking. Did you get, almost shed a tear or two? Eric I, I almost shed lots of tears in that. And, oh. and then there was that. There was that scene at the. Uh, there was a scene at the show like that was a big deal for them that they had to play up in Seattle. Yes, like we, right. you know, and we and we talk about that in the the interview as well. But um, you know, he's like, oh, we got to if if this doesn't go off right, then. Uh, we don't tour. If we don't tour, I don't get to pay my dad back. And he sacrificed everything for nothing. This can't happen. And the thing is, the show was great. 
but like he's so he's so stuck in the, that's kind of the, the internal conflict he's going through he's so stuck in his head he, he you know can't see the forest for the trees and yeah it's good stuff so that's dreaming wild i believe the digital code the digital codes uh it comes out on digital i apologize uh, for on uh, september 26th and i'm giving away two digital codes just and check out findyourfilms.com yes eric holmes speaking of great endings yes. dreaming wild that, that 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 last thing when they went from the 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 characters to the actual people, loved it. Loved it. I I, I almost cried too. Eric was crying through the movie. And Bruce is he's a heartless bastard. I'm I'm gonna say it right now he was not <laughs> he was not crying whatsoever. He was crying because it was wasting his time. Correct, Bruce? Because you had I was you had just looking to, to see if uh, Finding Sugarman was showing somewhere nearby. I could go watch <laughs> oh, that instead. Oh, oh, searching. How dare you, Bruce Berkey, searching for Sugarman? Okay, so look, these these are the movies we're covering. It lives inside. The Origin of Evil, a.k.a. Why Eric Holmes Slept for Eight Hours. A movie called My Sailor, My Love, which I saw. Eight hours. Love. Well, yes, sir? Eric? I didn't sleep for eight hours. Well, it's I much mean, less than that. Much less than that. <laughs> okay. Euphemism, Rebel. And there's a Rebel. There's a Rebel. There's a movie called Rebel that Eric Holmes reviewed. And I think Eric Holmes has a recommendation called El Conde. I believe that's on Netflix. And then there's, our box movie is Twins of Evil. That is suggested by, I think, one of our favorite filmmakers. Who is that? Bruce Berkey. Uh, Maddie Doe. Maddie Doe. Maddie Doe, yes. She of what what did she direct Eric Holmes? Maddie Doe. What can you name a couple of Maddie Doe movies? Uh yeah. Uh yes. Chantelay. Very good. Uh Dear Dear Sister. Yeah, very and good. uh oh what, what was that one? A recent was, one. What was the recent one? It was, it was about like running around. Oh, the long walk. There you the, go. Long the long walk. I was doing that, Eric, because I'm being a complete jerk. I'm testing your sleep patterns right now, seeing if you have some kind of pattern recognition with cinema, and you do a very good job on answering those questions. I'm awake. I couldn't have even mentioned or named all of Maddie those films. So congrats yeah. to you. Let's start with It Lives Inside. Bruce and I saw it. It hits theater September 22nd. Is it a horror film? And the answer is depends on what you think is horror. It's written and directed by Bishal Dutta and a story by Bishal Dutta and Ashish Mehta. Now, here's the thing. It's rated PG-13 and there's a bunch of jump scares. So if you do not like PG-13 horror films and if jump scares are kind of not your thing, It Lives Inside might not great on you. It might be a couple of strikes for you. For me, I'm not as big of a horror fan as Eric Holmes or Bruce Berkey, so I don't mind these PG-13 horror films, especially because this movie, it centers on the Indian and Indian-American experience. Sam is an Indian-American teen. She's trying to fit into high school. She's trying to assimilate into the culture that she was raised, the American culture. And what does that mean? In the beginning, you get to see very clearly she only speaks to her mother in English. Her mother comes from India, and she speaks to her in Hindi. So even though Sam understands Hindi, she responds back in English, which is what, as a Filipino-American, I don't know Tagalog, but I I know fellow Filipino-Americans, They the way they assimilate is they don't even, a lot of them don't even speak Tagalog to their parents. They just, they respond back in English. So you get a little bit of that cultural assimilation, that flavor of that theme of assimilation in it lives inside, which I find to be very interesting. You learn a little bit more about the Indian culture as much as you can within the framework of this PG-13 horror thriller. And what happens is Sam, one of her uh, childhood friends, she 
She's holding a jar and she's telling Sam there's something in the jar. And Sam is just does not want to be seen with her best friend. Her she's her best friend from when she was young. She's also Indian American and she's just trying to not be seen with her because her best friend, her former best friend, is not very popular. And she seems very paranoid. She's holding a jar. Unfortunately, Sam does not listen to her former best friend. The jar breaks on the floor and some like some smoky thing comes out and you don't know what this thing is it's not, and you just know it's some kind of evil force and it's not a spoiler because it's been written and you've seen it in the trailers there is some kind of monster that is unleashed from the broken jar and the rest of the film has sam trying to figure out how to capture this monster back how to maybe possibly how the how to actually get re uh, just find some kind of contact back into her own Indian culture. And maybe by embracing her culture, she will find the strength to defeat the monster. Very on the nail symbolic. Okay. But for me, as the my parents were immigrants, it really spoke to me. And I really liked how Vishal Dutta, he actually, there's a couple of moments where where Sam goes off to some kind of hangout party outdoors and you're like, okay, this is from some every 90s teen or teen <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. PG-13 film I've ever seen. So there's a little nod to that. But Big I part. wish there was a couple things that I feel that it lives inside. Sorry, Bruce, for the long review and uh, prologue. My, my only complaint was I wish Bishal actually, uh, with the editing, I, I, wished, I wish every scene wasn't this heavily tense moment. I wish you mix it up with some kind of, look, a montage would be nice. A little bit of break in the narrative, a little bit of different pacing. But overall, I ended up really enjoying the film, especially if you if that cultural theme hits with you and you, uh, the monster itself. I don't. I'm not a big fan of the monster, but I was. I'm a big fan of what this movie was was saying, and I really enjoyed the performances. Overall, this was a solid viewing experience for me. Bruce, what did you think of It Lives Inside? Did it hit you the same way or was it a miss? Uh, mostly a miss on this one. I First of all, I think uh, one big knock against it is it lives within, I don't know, it doesn't live inside. It lives within a month of when Talk To Me came out, which is another possession movie that's very original and very unique and very interesting and very fun and genuinely creepy and a lot of all the things that this movie doesn't quite hit for me. PG-13, yep, you you got it on that one. I think the big, big problem with this movie is it doesn't commit. It's, does it want to be a movie about, you know, kind of the conflict between generations where culture is slipping away because you're having to, you know, having to, but you're, you are kind of assimilating into another culture and how does that affect you? And where does your culture still have power within that life and you know how do you find a peace in that and a peace with your family and a peace with the culture you're living in on so on and so forth interesting movie idea this movie doesn't tackle it very much at all it's only <laughs> very it's very surface and there you're wrong there is a montage it's a montage of making food that is oh, one really? of the sillier moments of this oh. movie <laughs> to fight a creature uh other silly moments uh oh, yeah, one, yeah, of, the, yeah. one yeah. of the big kills involves a swing set it's absolutely ludicrous and laughable, nearly bloodless movie, very, very tropey. It's also the other half. So it's two halves of a movie, right? The other half of the movie is a very bland horror movie that we've seen lots and lots of versions of before. This is a by the books possession demon type movie, right? And 
I laugh when you said that the the jar broke because it's more like this. It's like your friend seems seems disturbed for days and they come up to you with a Ouija board and says, this Ouija board is haunted. And then friend sets it on fire. Well, that's essentially what happens here. She comes up with jar and says, there's a monster in this jar and I have to keep feeding it. And the friend just says, you're crazy and knocks the knocks the jar to the ground and destroys it. And I was just like, okay, well, that's a great friend move there. Yeah, I nothing worked for me in this. It wasn't creepy. The cultural okay, stuff, it, did, that, did you feel that was well, maybe even shoehorned because it was a by-the-numbers movie? Kind you know, of thing. I don't know. This kind of reminds me, what was the other movie we saw recently where I kind of wondered, um, you know, what came first? Uh, we just talked about it. I went, already went out of my okay. brain. I'm sorry. But um, yeah, I mean, if that was the, kind of the main point of the movie, uh, I feel kind of like it might have been, but maybe they just didn't have the conviction or they didn't think it would sell. I mean, I could see that being the case. Like, we're not going to be able to sell this, you know, indie drama about how you deal with cultural stuff in American society. Whereas if I we make it a horror movie that, you know, has all these things that are in horror movies, it'll it'll sell. And it probably will sell. And they throw a get out production in front of it. And that kind of gives it a little more um, oomph as well. But I mean, unfortunately, it just kind of fell flat as a horror movie and flat as a drama for me all the way around. So I was just kind of, yeah. I talk about the movie that was putting me to sleep. This is the movie that was putting me to sleep. Except oh, so for one scene, one right. truly creepy scene was her in bed at night and looking at a, towards a closet. And there was just like these eyes looking back at her. And that was that was a truly good, well done, creepy scene. But that was about it. Yeah, I'm on the flip side. I, I really enjoy this movie. Shout out to Betty Gabriel. She plays a teacher from the high school. And if you look at Betty Gabriel and you say, you might be seem familiar. And I, I thought to myself, who's Betty Gabriel? And I looked look up, looked up her IMDb. Betty Gabriel played, I believe, a cop in in Upgrade, that movie Upgrade. And she plays a prominent role in the final moments of Upgrade. I love, we're talking about endings with Aporia. What a great ending for Upgrade. We'll always remember Betty Gabriel's work in that film. And she's anyone involved in Upgrade. Love, got to shout out that movie. It also stars Megan Suri in the lead role as Sam and then Niru Bajwa as her mother. She has a prominent role in this movie. And then Mohana Krishman. Father, I, th- I don't know, I, I think the father's name is Vic Zahaya. I don't know, but it's pretty much, and there's a another guy there who's uh, he's sort of the stereotypical love pool dude, cute dude, love interest, and it's yeah. interesting where his character goes, which I thought it was kind of refreshing. Yeah, no, I I really I I felt like this was a movie that was a horror film that was actually that Bishal tried to actually put in his cultural influence or background into and try to make it into some kind of meal. And for me, that meal worked and I didn't feel like it was by the numbers. I don't know. I, I have a feeling that there's going to be a split. I vote. will take the meal and knock it on the table, on the table, on the floor, spill yeah. it on the floor, <laughs> spill it on the floor. Okay. So anyways, we'd love to hear what you guys think of it lives inside. I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed this movie in theater, September 22nd. My review is my rating is four stars for it lives inside. What about you, Bruce? Two. Two stars from Bruce Berkey. Wow, that is that is tough. You, you, you better tonight before you go to bed. You better start saying some of those mantras. And, and I hope you don't have one of those burned out books. You know, make sure I got plenty of meat in this house. I can throw some meat at it. <laughs> you can throw some meat at it. Okay, so that is it. Lives inside again. Four stars for me. Two stars for Bruce. Let's more importantly, let's see what you guys think of it. Lives inside. Who do you agree with? 
or maybe not and uh, leave it in the comments all right so the next movie is a film called the origin of evil it's in theaters and on demand september 22nd i know nothing about this movie bruce perky why don't you take this movie away and you and eric can talk about it yeah eric i know where eric's gonna go if he's still awake at the end of this review i'll see <laughs> um this uh first of all there is a pretty big spoiler that i will not give away in this movie and hopefully eric doesn't want to either but he might not care he might just be like whatever i hate yeah, it i'm trying to what the spoiler might be eric for me do not give away that spoiler because i'm gonna okay. probably watch it can, can you put it in checks i honestly don't know what you're talking about i will about. just say it's it's a basic uh thing about the main character's identity let's just say that yeah do not oh okay yeah that's a pretty big i thought that was the main thing but go ahead no because that's not something that happens till like the third act um but yeah basic concept is you start out with uh well this is directed by sebastian marnier uh main character played by laurie calamy or calamy uh she plays stephanie and you see her starts out she's working in this fish plant or fish packing plant uh, just drudgery. And it almost reminds me of the beginning of Carrie in a way. You just got this drudgery and all these people, you know, working together and in the dressing room and just kind of, you're just, just, you're just like, what is this going to be? Is just a drama, drama about living in French blue collar life. And it kind of starts out like that. Uh, you see her visiting her girlfriend in prison. You're not sure what that's all about. And then she gets a couple phone calls. And then all of a sudden she's on a trip out to meet her father. And you find out very quickly that Stephanie was essentially abandoned by her father and hasn't really known her father her whole life. And she has reached out to them or her father and her father said, come meet me. She comes and meets him and he seems pretty friendly and kind of tells her a little bit about, you know, who he is. Uh, and you find out very quickly, he's very rich and he invites her back to their family manor where she meets uh, her half sister and her I guess half stepmother and her half, I don't know, whatever. All these family members are there. Very rich, very suspicious of her that she's just showing up and they're like, oh, okay, was she here just to get money? What's this, what's this woman doing here? Uh, and so begins the story and slowly, but surely she's kind of becoming a part of the life, trying to reconnect with her father. And you find out that the family hates the father and they're actually trying to essentially become his caretakers. They're kind of say he's unfit to care for his own estate and his own money. So there becomes very quickly, uh, kind of the tension is, will she, this new person in the life, help him maintain his control over his wealth? And who is going to backstab whom in that process? Uh, and through all this, pro and then the rest of the movie basically becomes kind of a very slow, and this is Eric's problem probably, a very slow kind of cat and mouse game where you're actually not sure who is doing what to undermine whom. And the twists keep turning as the movie goes on. This sounds like an amazing film, by the way. Oh, it's well, definitely a Greg movie. <laughs> a thousand percent a Greg movie and like I mentioned there's split screens abound I just want to really quickly say there's a few split screens in this movie I'm kind of like oh it's kind of fun and flashy and it's a split screen whatever but the movie overall is pretty subdued filming but I'll just say there's a, a split screen at the end I won't say what's happening in it other than to say there's a group of people in one side and there's a single person on the other side and then at some point the single person leaves their screen and joins the group and then, so that you basically have this extended split screen where one side of the split screen is just empty and you're like, what is going on with this filmmaking? But the way that plays out, I think is fantastic. Anyway, go away. Go ahead. Do it. Say it. <laughs> I will go away. I will go away. <laughs> go um, away with this. <laughs> so uh, 
this uh everything Bruce said is correct. Uh and the story is really good in this. I just thought like the first like the first half just kind of it, it wasn't doing it for me. And it wasn't even the slow pace. It was like I I, I understood the story. I got all the characters, but it just kind of was like uh it wasn't even like it was spinning its wheel and it wasn't the pace. There was just something about it that just wasn't capturing me and it should. That is until probably about the last third when things really start going up. And uh, that split screen scene you're talking about, I thought was really great. In fact, the split screen in all of this is used really interesting in really interesting ways. Like how they have the split, they have mm-hmm. all the people at the table. And at it's kind of like a, yep. it's, it, it's almost like the Brady Bunch opening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're like true. looking at each other, but, but they're there and there. They're not actually on the either way. Um, so there's definitely some really cool stuff on this and the way it ends, especially it's got like, a. if anyone listening saw the, the original taking of Pelham one, two, three, it doesn't end on a freeze frame, but it may as well. And I think the ending of this is just as good as taking a Pelham one, two, three, cause a thing happens. And when someone says they're going to do a thing, it's like, up. Oh, Yep. It's like, what could possibly happen? There's like 30 seconds of the movie left. Oh, oh, you're okay. (laughs) And the way they leave it, the way they hold on that is just, (laughs) yeah. It's like, Um, it seems like they hold on it and cut at the exact perfect moment. I think. Yeah. I I think uh, so. Like I was giving this movie crap before we even talked about it and definitely like the first two thirds of this movie. I was like, (laughs) and it's, it's weird because the story wasn't bad. The story was really good. It's just maybe the, maybe the filmmaking, maybe something about it just kept putting me off and putting me to sleep. It wasn't until that final third, probably when they start, you know, getting a little bit of courtroom drama in there, that little, that little nugget of courtroom drama. I'm like, and I'm awake. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, this is a good story. Just and, and I can't. It, I, I'm just repeating myself. I I don't know what I don't like about that first two thirds. There's just something about this doesn't work for me. Last third, and then the very last shot, the very end of this is pretty fantastic. Uh, there's some uh, there's some really great stuff in this, and I think this is a movie, Greg's. That this would probably be like a five. This would be a six point nine star Greg movie. I if I so. had to guess for me, not quite that high, uh, but who knows, maybe if I watch it again, it'll, it'll raise a bit because the, the characters are there. The story's there, cinematography, all that's there. Filmmaking's there. Just there was something about it that didn't work for me. And I, I don't know what it is. Bruce, do you have, do you have um, an idea what didn't work for Eric? What, what's that little thing that didn't work for Eric? Um, I, I could see, cause this, the beginning part of this movie or the first half is a lot of setup. And I think I could see, but it does come together. For me, it's like this. And I can see that's probably, if you're just not feeling that vibe, you're like, where is this movie going? I can't kind of, some version of that could probably be happening to you. I just felt, for some reason, I trusted it. And it felt like this person, this director, the filmmaker, the whole production seemed like they knew what they were leading to. And I kind of went with it and waited for the shoes to drop. I feel like what I like about this is, kind of like knives out in a subdued version this has a whole bunch of characters at the beginning that all seem to be one type of character and by the end of the movie they have all turned out to be different than originally presented to you so all the characters have gone places i think i know what it is because i did know where it was going and we talked earlier about don't give away the twist to which i said what was the twist and he told me i'm like Oh, okay. That I just kind of assumed that's where it was going immediately. 
Well, and I so, like, so maybe maybe like as I'm watching, I'm like, I know where this is going. Just when's the other when's the other shoe going to drop, and we're going to get into that. That's kind of that's kind of what I was waiting for. Maybe yes, and I kind of agree with you there too. I don't think that that twist quote is hard to figure out, but you definitely don't know how everything's going to play out. I think yeah, that's where this, and, and, and that's where this and movie that, has fun, and, and that that's that all happens in the last third. And yeah. that's when finally, okay, now we're cooking with gas. Now we can tell the rest of the story. Okay, cooking with gas, third act. Now, Bruce, what is your final rating on your overall rating for the for the origin of evil? I pretty much love this movie throughout. I really liked it quite a bit. So I'm going to go four and a half on this one. I I like love this a lot. Four and a half stars, and I I guess I'm not going to give my rating yet because I haven't seen the movie. But I think just a preemptive six point nine star. Oh, I don't do six point nine <laughs> stars. I don't do that. I'm going to give it five stars. <laughs> Home still put 6.9 star banger on our Google Doc. Eric, what is your rating on The Origin of Evil? I'll probably go three, three stars. Def- definitely recommend. And I think a lot of people are going to like it a lot more than I did. I, I especially think, Greg, you're going to you're gonna fall over yourself for this one. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to see this movie right after we're done taping. So I will get back to you guys on The Origin of Evil again. Theaters and on demand September twenty second. Both both the dudes recommended it. Bruce with the four and a half and Eric with a three star. It's not a three star banger, just a three star rating, which is a mild recommend from Eric Holmes. Now, very quickly, those are pretty much our featured reviews because these are the ones that we can all go back and forth from. There's two other movies that were tackled this week. My Sailor, My Love. We look. This is one of these movies. You look at it, <laughs> you look at the poster, and you see two elderly people. Bruce, when I say elderly people, that's going to be me and you in about two weeks. So <laughs> we can relate to the people in the poster. Okay. Eric, not so much, but it, it centers the movie centers on quote, a retired sea captain and his daughter must reassess their strange, strained, not strange, strained relationship after he begins a new romance with a widowed housekeeper. So, yes. The retired sea captain, played by James Cosmo, and the widowed housekeeper, played by Brid Brennan. They're very, they're fantastic in this movie. Set in Ireland by sort of the seaside, and it's gorgeous. The cinematography is beautiful. It again, it opens on Friday, and it's going to be really beautiful to look on the screen. And it's a great love story. It's a very touching love story, and it doesn't get over sentimental. And it's really tough. An uncompromising story as well. Catherine Walker plays the daughter of the ca- the sea captain. They obviously have some kind of friction between them. And he's at the beginning a very cranky old man until this housekeeper comes to clean his house and then maybe clean his life, right? So you're thinking this is, seems like a very predictable movie. And in some certain cases it is, but the way the movie you know, develops, the story develops, and you see what happens to each of these three people. It's very powerful, very well done, and surprisingly subtle in many parts. And yeah, it, it's just a very interesting movie, beautiful to look at, and just with really sometimes at, at times heart-wrenching performances. My Sailor, and it's also, again, very romantic too. And at times it can be very comedic. So, and it's beautiful. I'm looking at the trailer right now, just the countryside in Ireland which is gorgeous to look at oh emotional emotionally this movie reminded me almost hit as close to me to my heart as that movie from years back that we covered Rams remember that movie Rams oh, yeah. it has almost that powerful effect because you see these 
two elderly people that you're saying, okay, well, I don't want to see another movie about, you know, this like a cocoon kind of thing. What is a gold? I don't want to do. No, these are really great, well etched characters. And unfortunately, with me getting my my gray hair too, I'm seeing the the bell is con- is starting to toll for me as well. So I'm starting to relate to these characters too. But it's a again just a beautiful movie. My sailor, my love. Unfortunately, Eric and Bruce. We have so many movies to cover. You guys probably won't get time to see it. But I think if you do find the time, I think My Sailor, My Love is worth a watch for both of you. I think Eric, I think actually, Bruce, you would love it too. You would enjoy it too, especially the way it ends on a very, I don't, I'm like I say how it ends. It doesn't end on a very uncompromising note. And it's a really well done film. Again, My Sailor, My Love, my rating for this film, four and a half stars. Four and a half stars for My Sailor, My Love. I was so surprised at how much I absolutely love this movie. And oh, very quickly, it's it's a three-hander. So you get to see parts of this movie. You get to see each of their lives, their interior lives. A different, yes, very, very good with it with the magic hands, Eric. But it, it focuses on, on another hands with Bruce. All these hands, all these hands. There was a movie called The Hand, right? With James Conn, I think. Anyways, but yeah. wasn't, yeah, was it called The no, Hand? No, it was Michael Caine. Yeah, the hand, right? Have you ever Oliver seen that Stone. movie? Oh, oh, right, Oliver. Was it? A, was Oliver Stone's movie? like first directed directorial. Did job, you ever see the hand? Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, <laughs> really terrible. Well, my sailor, my love, isn't terrible. Again, it focuses on all these three characters, and they, each of them have a, ample time to develop their respective characters. All right, my sailor, my love. That's my huge recommend for this week. Four and a half for me. Let's get to Eric's possible recommend for a featured review for, because look, this movie called Rebel, it hit New York last week, the week of September 15th. For this week, September 22nd, it will hit Los Angeles. Eric, you have the insight on Rebel. What's it about? And is it worth a watch in the theaters? Anyone uh, pays attention to comic book movies. Uh, There's uh, directors at Dion Bilal. Uh, They directed a movie called Batgirl. And uh, this Batgirl movie was uh, just kind of shelled indefinitely. Uh, no one's going to see it. And there was a whole uproar online about, oh, why can't we see Batgirl? I just want to see Batgirl. It's it's all about the art. They put all this time and effort into Batgirl, and now no one will get to see it. And that sucks. <laughs> but you know what you can see? Rebel. And this movie is fantastic. Uh, basically, it starts off with uh, brothers Kamal and Nassim choking on, choking on a good movie here. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Kamal and Nassim, there's the uh, Syrian war going on uh, with like ISIS and all that. And uh, uh, Kamal is a uh, rapper and his uh, little brother is about like 13, 14, somewhere around there. His brother is like in his in his twenties. His brother is going decides that he's gonna go help uh the Syrian uh refugee. He's basically gonna go to war and help, you know, help the war effort and help what, what do you call it, like the the victims. Basically yeah, he works in a in a hospital more or in less. In Aleppo, right? It's Aleppo. Yeah. 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 And so he works in there and he decides to go there and uh you know it his his mom kicks him out because of other stuff he was doing, but he decides he's going to go, you know, better his life or do whatever. He ends up going out there and uh, he gets basically ends up getting recruited by ISIS. And the, this kind of goes with like a American history X kind of thing where Edward Norton's characters, you know, he goes to jail for the, he goes to jail for the, uh, you know, killing the guys at the beginning and his uh, younger brother, Edward Furlong, 
you know, they're, they're separated. And during that separation, his younger brother just looks up to him more and more and more and falls more into what he was. Uh, this is kind of not exactly the same, but similar because Nassim learns about Kamal. Like other people learn about Kamal and him like kind of working with ISIS. And a lot of people think he's just a terrorist and don't like him. And his brother doesn't think that at all because he's got someone else in his head in the area trying to recruit him as a young kid. And so uh, there's kind of, uh, as uh, Nassim is looking up to his brother Kamal, his brother Kamal is learning what's really going on. And his brother Kamal wants out. And so, you know, as one brother's trying to fight to get out, the other younger brother's fighting to get in. And there's really great conflict here uh, along with the mom and movies also a musical. (laughs) There are scenes where like huge turning points of this movie. Um, uh, Kamal starts going into a rap early on when he decides that he wants to he wants to join the effort. There's a scene where his wife he he ends up getting a wife Nor. Uh, there's a scene where Kamal's his battle buddies want to buy her from him, and he's like, "No, that's that's weird." And then uh, they end up taking her anyway and just leaving a pile of cash on his bed. It's weird. It's kind. It's not really a rape scene, but it kind of is an interpretive dance. Because the, instead of doing the rape scene, you know what's coming, but they do it as a uh, as like a musical dance number, kind of. But it's like a really dark one. So this movie's kind of what you think it is until it's not, and and then it just goes in these weird directions. the The ending is really fantastic. Oh my god, the ending is the ending is just soul crushing. I don't know how good Batgirl is. I'm sure Batgirl is a great movie. There's zero percent chance Batgirl is better than Rebel. This movie's fan, and I cannot believe this came from the same guys that did the last Bad Boys movie. That what, what they did, they did uh, Bad Boys, Batgirl. I think they worked on like one of the Marvel Marvel TV show, like Miss Marvel or something like that. And then to come out with something this fantastic, it's kind of like a, a, especially with Batgirl, since Batgirl's just canceled, no one can see it. It was like. They wasted all that time with Batgirl. The movie's not even coming out. And that's one less movie like Rebel that will exist forever in the world. It's it's annoying and sad because Rebel is so damn good. If you're sad that Batgirl's not coming out, watch this. This is their movie also. This is a movie that's came out. And this is a movie that you can see. And it's a movie that you should see because it's a really good one. Oh, go ahead. Um, I was going to chime in and say really quickly, I've watched 40 minutes of this so far. So I can't say... I would be surprised if I don't agree with Eric on this, but I would agree as far as what I've seen so far, there is a, I've seen the first song and dance number, I guess you want to say, or rap video, which is really, really well shot and seamlessly integrated into the story and really sets an early tone. And then I'd also mention, at least in the early part that I've seen, the first time he goes into battle as a photographer, there's an extended scene where they're running through um, half destroyed, like, I don't know, housing units or buildings. And it's like a one shot as he's going, it's like a side um, tracking shot. Yeah. And you're going past wall after wall after wall. And all this stuff is happening and actions happening at the same time while he's trying to film it. And that's really impressive filmmaking and really exciting and visceral. But you also get this feeling of the combination of, it's not exciting in the way that like uh, a gung ho war movie would be. It's more like the, the chaos of them not really even knowing what they're doing exactly, but they're just kind of there. It's like, here's a camera, keep, keep following me. Let's go do this. And it feels like no one quite knows what they're doing. And I don't know if that kind of keeps going that way, but it was really, 
really interesting and really I'm I'm excited to watch the yeah. rest of it. I, yeah, it definitely has a lot of uh, Athena energy as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, like di- different setting, but same kind of same kind of just go go go. And then when it when it slows down, it's slowing down for like uh like emotional family beats, you know, cuz yep. uh, you know, uh, Kamal's out there um and his his little brother wants to go. His little brother wants to follow in his footsteps and his mom's like, "No, you can't be like your brother. <laughs> There's a reason your brother's not here anymore." And that's because he's, you know, he's too old. I can't stop him from doing what he's doing. But I'm not, you know, that that whole story. But man, we're oh, we 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 need to do a spoiler on this because where this thing ends is oh yeah. Well, I definitely plan on watching the rest of it, so we can we can rekindle this next week. Yeah, yeah, definitely do that because the ending of this is yeah. Yeah, All right, cool. Uh, So, what is your rating on Rebel? Five stars. This movie's awesome. Five stars on Rebel. Definitely have to check that one out as well. All right. So we're done with our features. We have a couple of recommends. Oh, maybe actually one recommend. There is a recommendation from Eric. Do you want to just very quickly say something about El Conde? Which I think yeah. is the net. El Conde, uh, which I believe means uh, the count. It's basically, I, I don't know if it's an alternate history. Oh, what was his name? What was his name? The story revolves around Augusto Pinochet. Uh, he's not there you dead, go. But Augusto an aged vampire. Pinochet. He's an aged va- Pinochet is an aged vampire who, after 250 years in this world, has decided to die once and for all due to ailments brought about by his dishonor and family conflicts. It, it, again, like Eric was saying, it's directed and co-written by Pablo Lorraine. So. Yeah, that's kind of it. So Augusto Pinochet, he hasn't been Augusto Pinochet the whole time. Uh, they start off when he first became a vampire and kind of goes through his history and he's had different, he's done different things in the past before and went by different aliases in the past. And currently he's Augusto Pinochet and he's got, you know, his, his wife and his family who are not vampires and he's just kind of, uh, he's kind of fallen apart and he wants to die. He hasn't drank blood in like seven months or something like that. And he's just kind of, he's just like a, you know, I've done all this stuff. I've heard of people talk about me in the past and they all hate me. And I just, I'm, I'm done. I've done everything anyway. Let me just die. And his family's like, well, you can't die. Like, what, what do we do? Because there's kind of a, there's a bunch of a kind of family treachery, kind of similar to origin of evil, how, how the family dynamics work there. They're like, oh yeah, we all love each other. We would never stab each other in the back sort of thing. Um, this is kind of a similar situation here. But what they want to do is that they still need to live. So they're kind of going through uh, all of El Conde's accent or uh, uh, Pinochet's assets and seeing how much money they can come up with and what they're going to live on once uh, Pinochet has uh, killed himself or been killed. This is a black and white movie. Fantastic looking movie. Uh, it almost looks like, uh, uh, the hell's his name? Like the lighthouse, the uh, Eggers. Mm. It, it kind of looks like a, uh, Eggers movie a little bit. I think this one's a lot more kind of upbeat because they have, a there's a, uh, narrator in this and the narrators used to get effect to where something will happen. And then the narrator will kind of chime in like kind of in an ironic way or kind of a fun way. So it's, it's good. Even though it's about vampires, it's more of a, more to do with like family treachery and a family drama than it does with, than it is horror. 
So it's a very interesting movie. I liked it a lot for sure. You know, they, they play well with the vampire lore, but also uh, at times this, for me, this feels like a, a much better version of Origin of Evil. Like all the stuff I didn't like early on about Origin of Evil, this does kind of similar things, but I liked a lot more in this. Okay, so that's El Conde streaming on Netflix. Eric, what is your rating on El Conde? Oh, I will uh, normally probably give it five stars, but I saw Rebel just before this, so it kind of takes it down a bit. So I'll go, I'll go four stars on this. Four stars on El Conde, again, yeah. co-written and directed by Pablo, Pablo Lorraine, and Lorraine is best known for, I think, he directed Spencer. I believe he directed the movie. Yeah. Spencer. I, I still haven't seen Spencer. Before He's we, making a weird uh, niche of like doing really odd uh, biopics. Jackie, right? He did, he did yeah, Jackie he did as well. Jackie too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So before we get to the box pick, let's talk about movies that are also coming out this week. You want to actually, since the box movie is going to be handled by Bruce, Eric, you want to do my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn with, with these oh, also coming well, this week? You got mm-hmm. it? One, two, three, four. Uh, I yeah. will do. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm trying you to do the turn. Uh, I'll, I'll start. I'll start. start. Go ahead. Go. Uh, so the first one we got is Dumb Money. I believe that's out already, but uh, it tells the story of fortunes won and lost overnight at the GameStop. It's basically about the GameStop thing uh, from the director of Itania and Cruella. I've seen Itania, liked Itania a lot, Seen Cru- uh, have not seen Cruella. But they do talk about it on Film Vault. And so you can listen, go over there, listen to them, see what they thought. Um, about Dumb Money? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think they both, uh, liked the idea, but the execution wasn't quite there. And mm-hmm. if I'm to, you know, put words in their mouths, but, uh, you can go listen to the film vault yourself and find out. But, uh, this, uh, this still might be something I might check out, uh, because the whole GameStop thing was kind of interesting. So who knows? Yeah. A movie I might want to check out that's also in theaters and on demand September 22nd is a movie called Barber. It centers on a private investigator played by Aiden Gillen. If you don't know who Aiden Gillen is, you've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He was, I think, one of the, he was a politician in The Wire. He was in, he was the opening, he was in the opening plane sequence in that, was it The Dark Knight? Not The Dark Knight. Yeah. In The Dark Knight Rises, Aiden Gillen's, you've seen him everywhere. So he, he plays a private investigator in this movie called Barbara, and he's looking to find a wealthy widow's granddaughter who has gone missing. So it seems like a film noirish kind of thing. And it'd be great to see Aiden Gillen in a lead role in Barbara. And also he was in God, Game of Thrones as, what is it called? I think, was it, is it I forgot what dragon. his name was. Not Dragon. He was like Littlefeather, the guy who was the, the, oh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. narc guy. Little, yeah. little Finger? Is little little finger, finger, yes. Little Finger. Little Finger in Game of Thrones. So we all know Aiden Gillen. You ever saw? Um, I, I, I saw I saw one episode of, I saw the first episode of Game of Thrones and that was it. Okay. All right. Okay. Good on you. You did <laughs> Good the, the right you. choice, sir. Okay. Oh, yes, yes. But you, you, you uh, saved yourself a decade of just hoping for a great last season, and that last season was horrible. Hopefully, Barber is not horrible I, when it hits. I did get through the shield, and the shield kills it. Then, so just yeah, that. he was great in the shield. Oh, oh, in the shield, yeah, the shield kills it. But he was also great in the in the series, The Wire. That is Aiden Gillen in Barber Theaters on Demand, Friday, September twenty second. Your turn, Eric. Uh, we got Flora and Son. Flora is a single mom with a rebellious teen son named Max. Flora attempts to redirect his energy to music by giving him a beat-up acoustic guitar. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a washed-up L.A. musician who enters their lives. Uh, directed by John Carney from Sing Street, Once and Begin Again. Um, so the Once is what I was thinking of with the karaoke. I keep wanting to do Falling Slowly. 
at karaoke, but I mm-hmm. keep once I'm there, I keep forgetting to look it up. So, but <laughs> if, the, if, the, if this is from the same person that did Sing Street or once, definitely interested. Yeah, I mean, we have it in our queue. I was telling before we started recording, we have actually Flora and Son right in our Apple screener queue, so we can actually watch it whenever. So it, again, it hits theaters on. Friday, September 22nd, but most of us will be seeing it on Apple TV. I don't even know, Bruce, if I, or do I say Apple TV or Apple TV Plus? Anyway, I'll just say Apple TV Plus on September 29th. That is Flora and Sen. And the lead in that, if Flora, that is played by Eve Hewson, whose father is known as Bono from YouTube. There's a movie oh, called- Now I'm out. <laughs> now you're out. Oh, no. My gosh. Kidding, kidding. Yeah, where are you? Okay. <laughs> There's a Hulu film coming out September 22nd. It's called No One Will Save You. It stars Caitlin Deaver. You've seen her in a bunch of stuff. I love her from Justified. It's a psychological thriller. She plays a homebody named Bryn Adams, and she- Bryn Adam, I believe. Bryn, Bryn Adam. She's a homebody. She does not like to get out of the house because she feels she's been alienated by her community the key word is alienated because aliens may have actually visited her domicile and no one will save you is, is I think a, a, a moniker that says, hey, no one's going to save you because it's only going to be you versus these extraterrestrials that are probably going to kill you. Who knows what's going to happen in no one will save you. Again, Hulu on Friday start in, in the US, Star Plus in Latin America and Disney Plus in all the other territories. Why is this movie interesting? Well, I love Caitlin Deaver. Bruce and I were going on about actors. I love actors, and I usually will watch them in anything these actors do. But Bruce was saying something about actors that they're not that important. You're, you don't focus on the actors when it comes to in movies. Never base a movie I want to see on the actor. Never do. You never do. Do you agree, Eric Holmes? You never the actor that you like in it is just a bonus. Is just a bonus. What do you think, Eric Holmes? You agree with that assessment? You will not see a movie uh, just because it stars an actor. That's that's a lot of poppycock. How's that? Poppycock? Typically, no. But there's there's a small handful that have a uh, a pretty good track record. So. Scott Atkins. Well, yeah, obviously, Steve, he's not there for the acting with Scott Atkins. Steven, Stephen Dorff. Oh, how dare you, Bruce? How Stephen dare Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff is kind of hit and miss, but uh, I do like him in it. Um, But like, uh, like Kyle (laughs) Gallner, like Kyle Gallner now, if he comes out with a new movie, pretty good chance it's going to be good. If Leonardo DiCaprio is in a movie, it's pretty good chance it's going to be good. Yeah, there's there's just, yeah, that Virginia Newcomb, if she's in it, pretty good chance it's going to be good. But I understand what Bruce is saying. It's it's all about possibly the filmmaker. If it's a director, Bruce, you will watch it, right? If it's like a... Christopher Nolan or something like that. Or, I mean, of course, if it's Christopher Nolan, I'm like first in line. <laughs> but what if it's written and directed by Brian Duffield? He's the filmmaker behind Spontaneous. That is the filmmaker behind yes. No One Will Save You. So I don't know if you have Hulu, but that might be an interesting watch for for you. for because. And he also did the screenplay for, what's that movie that with the robots, Love and Robots or Love and Monsters or something that, that you like? Yes, for a couple also a fantastic movie. Have you either of you seen Love and Robots? No, I haven't seen Love and Robots. Whatever, no. whatever that, uh, that year comes up, uh, not Love and Robots, I mean Lo- uh, Love and Monsters. monsters. Love, love and monsters. monsters. I think yeah, I did. Is that the Bruce loves it a lot? Bruce loves that movie a lot, lot. So yeah, Duffield actually wrote that screenplay and he, but he directed Spontaneous, which again, Bruce, you ended up really loving as well. Yeah, I love Spontaneous for sure. So I, I did yes. see Love and Monsters. And you yeah, like that, that too. That that was a good one. I, I just want to make sure it, it, I had the right title, but okay, and, and Eric, what's the last movie that comes out September twenty second? Oh uh, well, be... we got Everybody Dies by the End. Spoiler alert. Everyone dies. <laughs> the documentary crew follows a cult classic director, Alfred Costello, mm-hmm. while he directs his final film, 
an all practical concept with a dark twist on VOD September 22nd. Let me look at the Wachimacusets. And there is VOD, no I think. one. Yeah, I'm not I'm not recognizing anyone involved, but I do like the title. Everyone dies by then. So Okay. VOD on sub, yeah, VOD, that means rental on September twenty second. Everyone everybody dies by the end or in the end. Everyone everyone everybody dies by the end. My in bad. The end. All right. That is not that is two seconds. That's that is not cuttable. Okay. So <laughs> Bruce, before we get to your in the box, we have to talk about what Peter Beta does for us every week. Well, Peter Beta, I'm going to tell you what you did for me the other day because I was listening to middle class film class and I got a really great education on the works of John Waters. I was listening to your review with Tyler Noe and Joseph Navarro on Crybaby. What an astute look at this Baltimorean filmmaker. Is it Baltimorean Bruce Award? I'm just making, I might be making that up. I, I, thanks to you guys, not you, Pete, because I know you like Crybaby. Thanks to Tyler and Joseph, I will never watch Crybaby because it's, it's like a boring movie. So Bruce, should I not even, and then Matt Stillman, you are a member of our Cinematics Facebook group. You were talking about this John Waters retrospective or tribute, but let me tell you something, Matt Stillman and Bruce Perky, all you John Waters fans, and listen to middle class film class. And Peter Beta is also a John Waters fan, if I recall. I, I am not ever watching Crybaby because it's a boring movie. What do you think, Bruce? I mean, I only watched it because Johnny Depp's in it. That's the only reason I watch it. <laughs> that is amazing. What a hey, Bruce, what does Pete do for us every single week other than host, co-host, middle-class film class? He caresses the beat towards us. Remove your hand from the box and you die. What's in the box? Right, guys, we are back. Box movie, Twins of Evil, Maddie Doe recommendation from the Long Walk. Maddie Doe from the Long Walk, love that film. That's a Yellow Veil Pictures film. Bruce, what you got? Uh, Twins of Evil. It's from 1971. This is a Hammer movie, so that should tell you something you're getting into. I have seen it before, but this is a fun to rewatch. Uh, it's directed by John Huff. If I'm saying his name correctly, I think uh, you might know John Huff from. Great movies like The Legend of Hell House. And that's a cult film, right? A lot of people love that movie. Yeah, I like it quite a bit. Um, it's kind of a unofficial retelling of The Haunting, but it was made so quickly after the regular, the real haunting that I think people kind of discount it as a little bit cheesier, but I like it quite a bit. It has Roddy McDowell in it. So it's um, underrated. The movie's underrated, not just because you like so. it. I okay. think so. I think so. And it's got uh, a, the grown-up version of the little girl from The Innocents as well. And I can't remember her name, but I love her as an actress. Oh. And um, he also did Dirty, <laughs> Dirty Mary, <laughs> Crazy Larry, which is a great exploitation movie from the mid to early 70s. If you've never seen that, that's pretty awesome. Anyway, this movie is kind of class. It's This is in the transition. So if you look at Hammer, there's kind of two big eras of Hammer. They've always been known for these gothic retellings of versions of the classic universal horror movies, but with full color, blood, and lots of cleavage. They're known for those things. But there's a point where they went from cleavage to a little more than cleavage. And this is just getting into that territory. But anyway, the basic story here is this is during a time when... The main, well, one of the main characters, Gustav Weil, played by 
no, none other than Peter Cushing. He is kind of the patriarch of this town, and him and his group of do-gooders, quote, do-gooders, every night will go out and look for the people who have been besought, beset, let me say this again, who have been, I don't know, taken in by the devil and burn them at the stake. You know, this could just be various villagers and so on. Well, very soon after that, uh, <laughs> he is uh, he takes in his two nieces who are twins. Twins of evil. <laughs> they're twins, beautiful twins, but they're from the city and they have these city ways. They're not dressed appropriately. They are not chaste women. Although Frida and Maria are very different. Frida, she's kind of the wild child. And Maria, she's the very good girl. Well, <laughs> in this town, in this area is Count Karstein, who is evil. He's an evil lord in the area. He is known to, uh, you know, kidnap young women from the town and torment them. Well, that's not good enough for him. Eventually, he just goes straight up and becomes a vampire partway through this movie. And once he becomes a vampire, he gets his sights on uh, one of the two twins and makes her into a vampire. And then they become kind of a bad duo trying to do all these evil things. Uh, This is kind of a really just great fun if you love these kind of hammer movies one thing that's kind of interesting about this one other than it getting a little more racy it doesn't get super racy by today's standards by any means but what i kind of like about it is it's kind of setting up the peter cushing character as really the villain like because there's a young uh teacher in in the area that's the progressive one you figure this is the early 70s they're showing this kind of conservative older you know religious type killing people possibly innocent people and, you know, these young, more liberal women are in trouble because of this uncle that they have. So you kind of think it's going to be this kind of this class thing and kind of setting up something from the 70s. Of course, there end up being real vampires and real evil that is going on, too. So there's all that going on. Uh, for me, this is Three Star Banger. This is right up my alley. I love Hammer. If you like these kind of lurid, gothic, Hammer-style vampire movies from that era, especially if you like the era, um, early 70s era, where they have things like Vampire Circus, which I also love. This is going to be right up your alley. Uh, It doesn't hurt that the two lead twins are the first twin playmates ever. So, you know, if you like looking at (laughs) women from that time period and you're just being a, a, a gross man, then you can... Have an okay time watching it. <laughs> that is, but it, overall, it worked for you. I'm, I'm glad. Twins of Evil, and yeah. you, you actually don't really need to know as much as you you knew about that era, right? You can actually just be a layperson and enjoy it for what it is as an entertainment value. Yeah, if if you're kind of into that style, I mean, I, I put it that way. Like, there's that style that's Hammer or like the Edgar Allan Poe stuff done by Corman in that era. That kind of neo gothic, very colorful, done in the '60s sort of stuff. Like, I really like that. I really like 50s sci-fi. So if there's a, such a specific genre that if you're into it, it's just kind of catnip for you. But if, you know, you're younger, it might just be like, this is just cheesy old-time movie making. <laughs> it might not be for them at all, you know? I don't know. You probably don't remember. And you're, prob- you're saying that maybe Matty Doe suggested it because it was just an unexpected kind of movie. It has all these unpredictable elements to it. It's just a hodgepodge of different things. I think she must she must have a love for kind of that era of of kind of uh, genre filmmaking because she also suggested that other movie that was the and I forget what it's called now but it was 
in uh, San Francisco and it was like 1969 or 1970. And there was the, the guy trying to plot against his, his aging mom. And she had all these cats. And I remember there's these evil cats in there and stuff. It was, it was just the same sort of cheesiness. I wish I could remember what it was called. Two evil eyes or something like that, or something weird. Okay. So the director, one of the directors, John Hoff or is that what you said? Hugh, Huff or Hugh. I don't know. Hoff or Hugh. Whether let's go with John Hoff. Okay. The following year, he do, he was one of the direct one of the three directors for this G-rated film called, of course, Treasure Island. One of the stars of Treasure Island was Orson Welles. I'm looking at IMDb right now. Orson Welles played Long John Silver. Okay, obviously mm-hmm. an iconic character. And here's one of the IMDb facts trivia: the poor audio quality of Orson Welles's dialogue <laughs> was apparently due to his recording all his lines in one night in Rome. Whilst drinking white wine in 1979. Oh, yeah. Well, That's that era of Orson Welles. Think about it. He was known for, there will sell no wine before our time, like that ad he used to do. Can you imagine you have Mr. Friggin' Charles Foster Kane in a room in Rome downing white wine while he's playing the most one of the most important characters in your G-rated film? I think he I also goodness. directed like Escape from Witch Mountain and some of those other really weird Disney movies. So, Oh, really? Was, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this guy's a weird genre filmmaker. We should. I mean, if we still had Find Your Film podcast going, we would have done, done a spotlight on this guy. This guy seems like one of these very interesting J. Lee Thompson type of folks who just yeah. had a very interesting um, film career. So that is it. Twins of Evil, we're done. Eric, you want to say a couple of things before we get out of here? Anything? Yes. Uh, well, first of all, yeah, I just looked up two evil eyes. That's the one with uh, George Romero and Dario Argento. The, okay. the 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 black cat, I'm guessing, is the specific one you're referring to. Oh, maybe it was the black cat. Yeah, because I know yeah, it was so, definitely in the late 60s. Well, it's two evil eyes. Black cat's one of the – there's two movies in it. One's directed by George oh, Romero. No, the that's, other. Not the, that's not the movie. It was a movie from the like 60 or 71 that she suggested. And I, I watched it. I forget what it was called, though. Well, and it, it wasn't a, it wasn't an anthology part of an anthology. Nope. Okay, nope. two yeah, two evil eyes is a, a anthology with Black Cat and the facts in the case of Mister Vladimir. Hmm. But uh, that's not what I wanted to say. Uh, what I wanted to say is that um, if you go to findyourfilmpodcast.com, dot com, we have plenty of uh, merch there, merch. including, uh, but not forever. A Metropolis and Bucket of Blood script poster. Uh, those will probably be taken down in about a week or so. And I got uh, two more ready to go back up. So cannot wait to have those for everyone who would like to look at them or purchase them if you like. And uh, yeah, that's about it. That's a way you can support us. Find your film podcast.com. Eric Holmes has been hard at work putting new merch on our on our site and also we have our Cinematics Patreon, $5 catch-all. We have extra episodes, spoilers, different stuff. Thank you guys who are Patreon members. And if you are interested in joining, just go to our Patreon site to see some of that extra information. We also have Amazon links. You can purchase whatever you purchase through our links. All of us, including Anderson, get a cut of the Amazon profits. And final thoughts from Bruce Perky before we get there. I was just thinking as I was watching Twins of Evil that I sure miss Peter Cushing. And I think Peter Cushing is one of the most awesome genre actors ever. Now that I bad talked actors all over the white place. And I'm just curious, just anyone out there, throw me a line. Uh, I'd like to hear your favorite Peter Cushing movies. because I love Peter Cushing so much. Yes. And you know, it's so funny. My late father, he didn't know much about movies. The one name that he would always tell me, Peter Cushing, the, the movie star Peter Cushing. That's a movie. That's an actor that really I stayed in his brain. So yeah, I loved, loved my dad for that. But yeah, Peter Cushing. And 
thank you for the shout out regarding some some props to the actress Bruce Quirky. We are done for this episode of 208 of Cinematics. We'll see you next week. Thanks again. Uh, have a great week watching movies. And of course, here's Claire. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining Cinematics.